Welcome to the All New 52 Podcast. I'm your league member, Joe Schrimmer, and with me as always is my... I did that intro wrong. You sure did. Welcome to the All New 52 Podcast, the show where we talk about comics from the new to the old to the... Hey, let's, let's, let's rake in that uh, Zoomer nostalgia while we can. The edge millennial edge Zoomer nostalgia. That's, that's the market we're tapping into right now. I'm your... Infinite League member Joe Schremer with me as always is my other Infinite League member Caleb on. Howdy, howdy. I still did it wrong. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait, what do I go into after we talk about comics? We're already thirty. So I did do it measures. right the first time. We're already thirty-seven measures in. I don't think we need to worry about this it's too much. Fine. We're talking about Justice League Infinity on today's episode of the podcast, the continuation in comic book form of the. Uh, 2000s was it 2000 like one to 2006 that vanilla and unlimited went somewhere in there yeah, yeah. and of course general just the timiverse the timiverse know. yes uh written by jm dimonteus and james tucker with art by ethan beavers colors by nick flarty letters by tom napolitano and dc hopkins with a oh and uh this trade had a exclusive cover by francis Manipule. Hmm. I like so, I like the the trade cover. It's good. It's I like it. I don't like how different from the uh book it is. The book and the show as a whole, it's a very it's very Alex Ross-esque in terms of uh like faces and stuff. Well, obviously not painted like his things, but I think there's uh, like the stoicism. Yeah, and... I think there's clear Alex Ross uh inspiration going on here. Yeah, I can kind of get where you're where you're going with that one. It's the cover. No one no one here can see it. No. It's the thumbnail. Yeah, I forget on Spotify you can the thumbnail changes because yeah. I listen on Overcast. Justice League Infinity, the plot is Mazo, he's flying through space, comes across into some mirror world, and he's contemplating uh why he doesn't have a soul. And this causes the multiverse to fracture. That's right. Uh, if you weren't tired of the multiverse now, well, this isn't going to make you think it's better. Well, that, not that, tire you out of it, not yeah. make you awaken you to it, I yeah. guess. But specifically, it's not just a stinking real hard and the universe breaks. It's that there's another universe version of it. That is it, also thinking hard. Yes. And well, they work together to break it. But one You has, don't find that out till the end of the book. No. Well, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> this is a mystery book. Unfortunately, Amazo's an important part of this Justice League story. Okay, sorry. Amazo's fine. I actually don't mind his uh his unlimited appearances. Vanilla, yeah. his vanilla appearances are some pretty boring episodes. Oh, uh, Tabula Rosa, that's a fine episode. I'm sure we're going to go into the quality of uh, that show in our uh, discussion of this. But yeah, the universe is starting to fracture. The multiverse is stuff. People are swapping in and out with their counterparts, and um, it's up to the league to uh, get everything back to where it needs to be. Yeah, and there's nazi earth and the opposite of nazi earth and those are the three earths. Earth. yeah basically nazi earth and perfect earth perfect earth except for the themiscarans who decided to kill each other there are two genders <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's lots of stuff that goes on. I don't want to simplify that, but for a general overview synopsis, very basic. Oh, I forgot the fourth earth. We'll get into the fourth earth, <laughs> fourth world, if you will. Yeah. So this is structured across seven issues with quite a lot happening. And yet, as our brief synopsis told you, not much at all. Very indicative of the show. Yeah. You want to talk about art? Yeah, I do. So it's uh, Beavers is obviously going for a clear, uh, just trying to represent the show and his character models, at least. I don't think he, he goes too hard in replicating the uh, not set design, the backgrounds yeah, as yeah. much. The backgrounds have their own flair to them that isn't uh, quite so inspired. Yeah, he's trying to replicate the character designs from the show um, with the limitations that brings that the show faced um, while also, you know, trying to make it work for a uh, book. And I think he's doing pretty good. I, I didn't, there was nothing about this uh, art where I was like, ah, this is clashing with whatever it's trying to do. It was just like, yeah, this does in fact look like just storyboards from the show. Yeah, the the backgrounds are the real thing here that make it feel different which Mm -hmm. i don't think is a problem no the show has very simple backgrounds all the time because it was an animated show that was coming out you know weekly on cartoon network or whatever so it it had budgetary limitations this can you can do a little bit more with the backgrounds and stuff and so i think that especially with the cosmic stuff all the stuff with the mezo the big uh the big splash pages with all the team members those are really cool and they added something to it I don't like the character models. Really? I feel like they are good in animation, but they just feel stiff and lifeless here. That's, I had that uh, point of, um, you know, it brings the limitations of those models because, yeah, why you said they looked at animation, um, the two different body types of big male and uh, slim female really show when they're not moving. Yeah, yeah. And also just like, I, to bring out another artist we've talked about, Darwin Cook, mm-hmm. he does a very similar uh, aesthetic. It is a cartoony aesthetic, yes. Yeah, pulling on like retro stuff, but his stuff like lends itself more to like how motion is captured and how like action is blurred and stuff. Here, the characters feel like uh, paper dolls that are yeah. kind of stuck into scenes. Now, I think all this looks very appealing for if you were a kid this definitely reminded me of a lot of like books you would pick up from the library and stuff like that it definitely has an aesthetic that i think at least appealed to our generation um or even comparing it to like dog um but it just i don't know i felt like there were there the limitations were a bit too pronounced for me yeah i i i want to say it's like all intentional just because like he it's very clear he's very he's trying his best to replicate the TV shows accurately as possible. And I would rather have that than have, I don't know, more dynamic designs with like extra shadowing and stuff. Yeah. Then, then it wouldn't, I wouldn't really be like, well, it's not connected to the show I like, even if it says it is like, it doesn't mm-hmm. visually look like his. Yeah, no, I, I think there is a balance that they co struck with those characters. Yeah. I'm fine with a little bit more adaptation if it means that you can capture action a little bit more. 
this actually another good comparison point is which I don't know. I'm not sure if this does it better or worse. But it reminds me of a lot of injustice and how oftentimes those character models can be a little bit it's kind of the opposite. Those character models can be a little bit too busy because yeah. they're meant for a video game. Here I think they're sometimes a little bit too simple because they're meant for, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. No, definitely. I agree with I agree with all the points stated. Um, it really comes down to do you like the show's design? Well, you're getting what you're you're expecting. It it is nice to like I do like these characters and seeing them so accurate to the show helped put their voices in my head. Yes. Which was yeah, nice. I was there came a certain point where uh it came for uh John Stewart's time to be narrator for the show. Man, I just yep. that, it, it was I could not get that voice out of my head. Yep. <laughs> I loved it. It, it was, was great. great. <laughs> Positives. Yeah, I feel like this picks up on a lot of plot threads uh, that the show left out in kind of interesting ways. And it's clear, it's clear that it's trying to move these forward. Like it's trying to move forward, like what Martian Manhunter has been up to. And it's trying to move forward, like Green Lantern's relationships. I don't necessarily like where they go with Green Lantern's <laughs> relationships, but you know, it's, it's showing a, it's showing a path of progression for some of the characters before the story gets caught up in the multi. Plot. Yeah. Once it gets caught up in the plot, there is no chance for character development. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely trying. <laughs> I have, I have, I like the Martian Manhunter stuff mostly. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't enjoy that. That feels out of nowhere, but we don't need to talk about that right now or we can, I don't know. Either way. Did he leave at the end of the show? I can't remember. It's he, been so long. He since had I've seen a it. break at one point where he dipped. Yeah, and then there was he had a big triumphant return in the finale of Unlimited, um, and I don't I don't remember like what exactly led to that. It felt very weird for him to be like, "Yeah, I'm just never gonna take any action." I I rewatch the I've rewatched Vanilla a lot more than I do Unlimited, yeah. so I don't know the plots of Unlimited as well, except for like really good individual mm-hmm. episodes. I just think that like. He was always a more pacifistic character who always had that kind of more uh, connection to like humanity. Yeah, it's kind of like why he was mission control. He wasn't really in the field that much. Yeah, and so to see him on a journey uh, where he's just like trying to understand the different radiations of humanity, I think is interesting. I like the idea of he's not only going to different cultures, but he's taking on different roles. He's an old woman, an old Indian woman, which like wouldn't be like probably wouldn't be most people's uh go-to yeah it's just like well i'm i'm not even just for him just from like a writing standpoint yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. a that's an interesting perspective to take on now that being said that's in two issues and then the comic progresses and like which i get no one wants to read seven issues of martian manhunter pretending to be an old indian woman but i don't think that's necessarily the problem Oh, I thought you were about to say you don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, to which I no, would no, disagree. no, no. I don't. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone. No one's going into a book to see a passive superhero. Now, that's not saying people don't read books not knowing, and then it's like, oh, it's a very non-action heavy story, and they love yeah. it. I think the the story they're trying to tell and the way they told it, I I could not wait for him to finally join the fray because he was just repeating the same thoughts over and over again while he was this old woman, where it's just like. 
Hmm, I'm trying to understand the oh wait, I sense something wrong in the fort. I'm gonna ignore it. <laughs> yes. No, I I will agree with that and I will touch back on that in a uh in another section. Yeah. It's something that you know we talk about almost every time we discuss the Superman thing. It's nice seeing hopeful Superman when him and uh Superman from Perfect Earth. Earth D. Earth D. Oh yeah, that is the classification when they when they meet and you think, oh god. I want to see Superman fight. Nope, they subvert it, and they're like, "Hey, you're a cool guy." One of my favorite little moments in this is they are in a fight together, and uh, on the Nazi world, and our Clark uses uh, uses heat vision, and the other Superman is like, "Huh, you should show me how to do that." And I like the different like variations of these are equally you know powerful or whatever, mm-hmm. equally experienced, but. Because those experiences are different, they have different like tools at their disposal. Yeah, it's they don't they don't go too hard into the variants and what makes them different. You really only get it with Superman. I feel like they give little hints, like yeah. how uh, Theodore Wayne, I think, is his name. It's not Bruce Wayne, but yeah. he is. He was paralyzed by the Joker, and so now he like has a little helicopter mm-hmm. uh, wheelchair. They and uses. the other the other Wonder Woman. Uh, there are no more Amazons because yes. she got betrayed by them. There was like a civil war and they yeah. all killed each there's, other. There's little hints, but nothing really gets too much development. That's fine. This is already a busy enough book as it is with the amount of characters. Um, but at that point, it's like, stop introducing <laughs> variants. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of them get handled well. You can maybe cut two people from every team and it would make the story go a little bit better. Yeah. I think Another positive I have is that there's a lot of discussion about how you handle Nazis in kids stuff. And like, yeah, like Steven Spielberg has talked about this, about how he regrets how cartoony he made Nazis and Indiana Jones and how he would do that differently today and all this stuff. And you can, there's such an easy villain to put in without actually thinking through the consequences of Mm -hmm. that. I feel like this handles it fairly well. It seems to, it isn't going to like fully sit kids down and explain like, so the myth of the Aryan race, Yeah, yeah. but there is, there is a good grounding of like bigotry and hatred. And I don't think it ever makes the Nazis look cool. It doesn't ever do the American history. X <laughs> no, thing. it definitely doesn't do that. So I, I think that it handles it more responsibly than that one episode of the show where Vandal Savage cryo freezes Hitler. Do you remember that I one? I do not remember that one. It's not a bad episode. It's just, it's so hilarious at the end. Vandal Savage is defeated and you see all the Nazi bad guys and they're like, ah, oh, what are we going to do now? And then it like slowly pans to the cryo cell that Hitler's in. And yeah, I do not remember that so one. It's so funny. It's it's bad, but so funny. <laughs> I got I got talks about the Nazis and Hitler specifically in this book. There's issues I have with how they portray a lot of the stuff. That's why it's a very mixed bag of stuff where I feel like the stuff they succeed at, they really succeed at. And then everything else is just like if you were uh, paving a road, but you didn't have the roller to come over and smooth mm. it out afterwards. Or it's just like, it's, it's just a bumpy ride the rest of the way. It's like, I, I'm making a lot of references today. It's like Lightning McQueen and Cards when he first exactly, does the road. No, exactly that, where it's like, we're certainly getting to the end, but man, we are just having the time <laughs> of our lives getting there. My suspension is not enjoying no. this. Good character interactions all throughout. You know, I sent you the picture of me coming across this cover, not not my usual panel. Uh, Wonder Woman making out Darkseid. That variant universe where you have Darkseid as the good guy. I actually really like that one. 
the cover itself hilarious imagery that i'm glad exists in the world but um i actually for someone who you know in the show is just portrayed as bad guy yeah who normally is portrayed as in-game bad guy until he becomes a jobber when he gets defeated the first time uh i liked i like the redeemable dark side and it comes like kind of in the middle too yeah you actually get two redeemable dark sides which is weird because you get one in Amazo 2's backstory oh, yeah. too. <laughs> that one, he like they designed him to be half dark side, half uh, all father, which is just strange. Yeah, but I do agree with the character interactions. Every time Wally speaks, which is very rarely in this, he's not in a lot of the books. Yeah, but like they do use him well as just like comic relief and like in line with what he is in the show. I'm like, ah, you under you understand these characters, Jam did. Jamie, yeah, Jamie prolific writer. Yes, really weird to see his name attached to something like this, though. Like this seems like this seems kind of, you know, when Tom Taylor wasn't good enough to get his own book yet, and it was like, we'll just throw him on everything, and then so throw him on Justice League Power Rangers. That that seems that seems like the kind of guy you throw on a book like this. Yeah, I'd be interested in like what editorials discussion here was. I assume this came out after the show. This came out in 2018. Sorry. This came out uh, 2021 originally. Okay, yeah. So I can definitely see them trying to get on a recognizable writer to try to court an audience. And yeah. be like, this isn't just some cheap time that we're actually like appealing to the core audience here. Well, yeah, they're 100% going after the core audience, which is where I kind of have um, ifs about you talking about the like appealing to kids and stuff. So, like, I don't think that's they're aiming for necessarily. I think, I think the art style appeals to kids. I don't think I think the art style definitely appeals to kids, yeah. but that's definitely not who I, they're aiming the book at. Yeah, no, I that's not the I don't think that's the case. I think that is an offshoot of this being oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, from a kid's show. For sure. Um because this was also released as a digital first. It did have print issues later, but they these premiered digitally first, which interesting i don't know i don't know how often they do that now that also because was this on dc universe uh, yeah it would have been it would have been universe I w- yeah it would have transitioned from when it when they were like hbo max would have already been a thing at this point okay. and it would have been solely dc universe for comics because mm, i was wondering once they were all bundled together and maybe that was what they planned and then just timeline didn't work out once they're all b- bundled together it makes sense because it's like Come watch your old favorite yeah. show and read the continuing adventures. Yeah. Um, I never had DC Universe, so I don't know how. When it was, uh, when it had streaming. Yeah. It. I did for a little bit. Yeah. So I just, I don't know how like the UI, if it would recommend a comic based off of a show or anything. Uh, it'd be smart. I don't know if it did that. Um, hmm. It was, it didn't last very long in that, in that iteration of itself. Yeah. It seemed very much like a thing to be bought later. Oh, yeah, 100%. But it turned into. <laughs> what? So. I mean, it also didn't really get bought. It's just parent company. It was like, yeah, hey, let's move all this in. stuff over. Yeah, been solid. Yeah. It's definitely in a good spot now in terms of an app. Max? No, 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 no. DC Universe. Okay. I was about to say, Max has some the issues. The comic reading app. I know Max has issues. That's why I don't subscribe to it. Um, I, I have not gotten well I, I don't like read digital i hop on and off yeah if there's something i want to find it's convenient 
I only have Marvel Unlimited because I got that really good deal on it. It was a great deal. Yeah. So uh, maybe once I get tired of that and I've read all the like exclusive stuff on there, I'll hop to DC to see. Yeah. Um, does that wrap us up on positives? Yeah. All right. Let the negative, let the bumpy road let us talk about every single individual bump. I just think this is a bad way of telling your story. Um, a lot of different points. Yeah. Okay. So my first thing that I'm like, I hate. Dear Lord, are there too many narration? Yes. The absolutely terrible way of conveying so much of this info. You just have everything being told from the past tense, or I can't even tell if it's past. It's, it's just like omnipresent of like. No, it's definitely past tense because they have to put in a bunch of stupid like explainers where it's like, as Wonder Woman would later tell me. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Or as I later heard from my buddy Green Lantern. Oh, man. And sometimes they do a good job of uh, conveying who is speaking. And because the, the thought or the narration boxes will change colors and it's a different person each issue. I still cannot for the life of me figure out who was issue three where it was gray. Let me see. I, I will remember this when it is uh, when it's in front of me, but I don't know these issues individually. It, was, it started off with Marshman and Hunter. Then was that Superman. the one that was Lois Lane, maybe? Maybe it was the yellow one. Maybe it was the lowest one. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay, yeah, I did not track that. Well, that's because you're not expecting Lois to get it, and I'm. It's fine narration. It's in character for Lois. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not like it's bad. It was just that was the one where I was like, "All right, I'm waiting, re- trying to figure out who this is." Yeah, I don't like how it's written. It feels very much like for prose, and it it does kind of in that way also feel. Well, I don't think this is the intention, but it does feel like. If you were targeting a book to kids, you would want to have a have a narration in between prose and typical narration. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that works for this story. I think it's clunky. I think it gets in the way. And I think the you characters... You lose out on a lot of character stuff. Yeah. And the characters you choose... I, I love narration boxes. I just feel in this way, the characters they chose seem super arbitrary. I like narration boxes told from a narrator, not from... Like, like from a... Yes. From a Outside an omniscient third person narrator. Yeah. I don't like it when you have I I want if I'm getting narration in terms of a character, I want it to be thought bubbles on what they're thinking in exact in that exact Mm -hmm. moment where a speech bubble otherwise wouldn't apply. Yeah, I think there are some exceptions to that, but I do think a third person omniscient would be the way to go with this. Yeah. Um, especially just because like when it gets to the end and it's Green Lantern. I like I liked reading it. With Green Lantern's yeah, yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why is it him? Why exactly. is it him in that issue? Because we haven't gotten to him yet. Yeah. That's exactly the reason. And then just on that, you never get to uh you never get to uh, Hawk Girl, you never get to Flash. You get two Martian Manhunters. Yeah, he they definitely favored him in this one, which is fine. Like he's definitely an underutilized character in DC. Yeah, I like so him. I'm, I'm happy to see more of him. I just if we were gonna get two of them, I re- wish one of them or both of them had been our earth and one of them hadn't been. Yeah. You have seven chapters, which you think would line up perfectly for the core seven. Yeah. But no, Marshall Manhunter gets two. Lois gets one. Mm-hmm. Lois, who is not a big player in this story. No, either. no, it makes sense. Cause it's like a reflection of Superman and Superman's not on earth at that point in the story. Yeah. He's been beamed off to Nazi world, but yeah. And then just whenever it jumps to the other multiverse, that's when it gets super clunky because they have to have those lines in where it's like, I was in this earth, but this person told me what was going on here. Later, I learned. 
I hate this. Yeah. I think the way it wraps up certain stories with the multiverse hell, like we'll just have one entire flashback issue so we can wrap up the Nazi plot line. We have a whole issue where it's just Wonder Woman on with Apocalypse or with Darkseid on Apocalypse. I feel like it just pulls you away from the overall momentum. Yeah. And then it keeps throwing you into a mezzo. And it's like, no one else is here. No one cares about this. Like, not, not no one is in the reader. No one else in the story yeah, cares no, about it. Because no one knows about it. Yeah. Going on. You could, that is a great, having a mezzo uh, get there, and then you have that thing. Okay, whatever he has done in Mirror World, that's what has done this. And then you catch up at the end. You do not need to keep flashing Yes, back. it's, you wait, you're wasting it's, so much page yeah, space. Yeah, exactly. You're killing pacing. And that's, I think that's why I would have wanted more from this, is if it had felt less like this, like, weird, spaghetti of a story structure and if they had tried to copy the story structure like a clear three acts and 20 minutes exactly. story structure well th that's what i'm saying is like this very much feels like like a two-part of the show where it's like th the seven issue length i think is perfect for um not the story they're trying to tell but just like a, what would end up being like a two-parter up like yeah. the original show it, the, they're just jamming so much stuff into where like the pacing is not at all how you it would be in the show and i get it it's in the comic but like this is directly following a show you're going to expect it to kind of feel like the show at the same time yeah i also think i like that they're progressing john stewart as a character i think mm, how, i feel like that's a regression <laughs> i yeah that's the thing i feel like how i i like the initial concept but i think how they break him up with Vixen is stupid. Yeah. Because that was that was a whole thing of um you know, Shira was gone from the first season of Unlimited after the whole Thanagar, the Starcross stuff. And then she came back and they, they had their well they won't they at that point, and then it was like, no, that this they have grown uh, beyond each other, and it's it's fine. That happens. And then this, like, I don't know, you still get the I don't, I don't necessarily hate how they write, how he's written in the beginning of stuff where he thinks he's getting talked about or something like eh, goofy joke or whatever. Yeah. Which is in line with the character. Yeah. That's fine. It's when, yeah, he would be distressed about Shira dying in yeah. the vision. <laughs> it's the way Vixen takes it. And then they're like, yeah, I guess that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, it's the solidifying of it. I, I am fine if he ended up with Shiara long term over like, 10 15 issues and yeah, they yeah, really yeah. explore that because like in game i do kind of want them together more than him and vixen i i think it took a mature turn in the show yeah but i don't mind them as a couple either so if that's the story you want to tell fine i just feel like you can't do it in two panels you have to do it over no it was it, it was extremely issues. rushed and like not quite character assassination but definitely regression all the bat wonder stuff though perfect loved it just little sprinkles. That's all it should ever be. Yeah, no, that that stuff is good. Batman doesn't get a lot of uh, like great moments in this, which is fine. Like uh, popular character, so not this. But whenever whenever they do a they they'll, they they like their three panel jokes in this one, and they'll do stoic face, stoic face, little smirk. Yeah, I like that every time. Yeah, which kind of gives a storyboard feel, which ties back into the animation. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my biggest my biggest problem with this, and I mean, we talked about it before with like. Martian Manhunter's just, he keeps kind of repeating the same thing because they have to wait so long to bring him in because mm -hmm. of the way these are structured. It's 
it really comes down to the structure, the storytelling, the craft here. I don't think that the overall plot's bad. I think it's kind of whatever the way it's presented, but it's like fine. The multiverse stuff isn't this this comics problem that that's been beaten into the ground. No, and it's like part of it's part of the fabric of BC. So I'm I'm fine with it. It's also something the show like never really explored that much. So I'm fine at being explored. Yeah, yeah. There's there's the last episodes which like stack shot comes in but i guess that's the future that's but, that's the season two finale of unlimited okay which one there's one where hal comes in that's the that's the static yes one. i love that that moment where hal comes in oh that like, no that, that whole uh that, that three part is really good yeah that that plays around with it a little bit a little then, bit then of course you get like the evil justice league justice in. lords yeah. yeah so which they kind of do again with overman but it's not the same overman yeah no this is this is just Nazis, which is also kind of a repeat of uh, a repeat of that episode where they go back in time to World War Two. So yeah, okay. Speaking of World War Two, <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into the Nazis. Okay, so this this has what I I uh, like to refer as the Young Justice problem, where uh, Vandal Savage is in. <laughs> no, I actually like Vandal Savage, um, but in terms of how. The audience has grown with a show not existing while the audience is growing. So how do we get this to so instead of it feeling natural, we're just gonna have the show all of a sudden be like a little bit more mature. Where in season three of you know, mature in quotes, where in season three of Young Justice, we're just gonna graphically kill Halo over and over to be like, Yeah, we're we're not on TV anymore. And in this, we're gonna, you know, it's minor things, but just no one in the show said hell before. So it yeah. just feels a little weird. No one in the show is directly. I mean, there's the Nazi episode, but then when they're just talking about Nazis nonstop, it just feels off. doesn't feel like the thing that yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think I feel like the Nazis are online, but I agree with the overall sentiment. Um, and I think that's the problem here is it's just like, I understand the characters, but like what else about this is the show? Yeah. Like, that, that's my that's my thing it, it looks like the show sometimes it feels like the show but it doesn't really it feels like it when the characters are talking to each other which doesn't happen anymore. yeah because there's narration boxes interrupting everything and it's constantly making like editor's notes to continuity or some character will be like i remember and in, in this episode, in this episode show, editor's notes i've yeah. seen in paradise lost it's like here's a little easter egg where we'll show you hades and stuff but it's like okay but like where's our boy feeling there's more to the more like I, the characters are great. I love the characters, but I also love the way they told stories, the types of stories they told, um, like the ideas and the themes they played around, whether it was a hit or miss. Yeah. 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 Because that's the thing, both unlimited and vanilla are a hit or miss. Show. Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, like, and especially I think that like, that's kind of the charm of it because it's an ensemble show. So like some characters, I just not appeal to you. Yeah. The, the, the season, the premiere episode of unlimited is Supergirl, green arrow and captain Adam in one of the most like whatever stories yeah. in the world. <laughs> There's nothing in that, in that episode that like is appeal wins you over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but you know, then you wait a couple episodes and you get the great episode where Lex Luthor and Wally switch bodies. Yeah, exactly. Or you get the, you get the kids episode where, yeah, yeah, yeah. that one, you know, it's fine to have these hit or misses. But like it works more so on a TV thing. And this, this just really didn't work because it's just for every hit, there's like a dozen misses. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like if this is just 
just which it doesn't say Justice League Unlimited on here. So this is just Justice League. You are you are kind of running up against there are just too many characters. You can't focus on the main seven. But if this did have that subtitle, this was Justice League Unlimited, then I'd be bummed because I wasn't getting like all the fun side characters. That I am a little bummed that we weren't getting side characters because they should, you know, Vixen was a side character in that show. Um, Mr. And, Miracle and what? And now she's here to be broken up with. <laughs> Mr. Miracle and Big Barda show up at one point um, yeah. who are like who are even more side characters where they barely showed up um, aside from a handful of episodes. But, you know, I wanted to see more than one panel of Green Arrow getting uh, getting erased from continuity. I mean, you know, give me this. You know, you say it doesn't have Justice League Unlimited on the cover, but I mean, it is for all intents and purposes. Um, so it's like, give me, I don't know, a little question moments or something huntress in question doing something they don't have to be key players in it well and do you would you rather if they were to continue this continuity in comics would you rather it be like a dc comics presents where each each issue yes 100 percent. yeah that'd be so much fun that'd be so much better and that's what that's what's kind of sorely missing from comics in general nowadays is these one-off stories and it's just a problem with the medium yeah like just a time thing where it's like the medium's grown. Um, those kinds of things don't sell as well, but I feel like with a recognizable IP that people still hold pretty near and dear, like that would, and I can't imagine like that kind of art is that expensive to hire someone to do. Like you're not getting someone's flair. You're getting them to copy character sheets for the most part. Yeah. Like I can't imagine that would be that much more expensive because you can have a rotating artists doing it where it's like, yeah, I feel like that would jive perfectly. Yeah. And if it was hit or miss, I'd be fine because the show was hit or miss. Exactly. Um, like you said, I don't think that would necessarily work. And comics are comics are too expensive. If you're going to be buying like an issue a month, you don't want it to be hit or miss because they're five dollars, right? I mean, this was a digital first. Who's to say it can't be like one of the things they get, try to get you to subscribe to DC Unlimited for? That's true. That's true. One other thing, and this this is a uh, kind of reaching back to our what was that book? New Frontier mm-hmm. episode where. Uh, have a problem with superheroes and uh, history and stuff. There's a moment where uh, Cal from Earth D starts talking about his World War II as if he was there. Where they're talking about, wait, you didn't have Hitler? He might be, though, because like Superman ages slower. Yeah. I don't know. That That's just a, a, not, not so much as like, oh, but that, that would have affected everything. But it's just like, how long, what time frame are we talking about? Yeah, where yeah. like it, it Took me out of it for a second because the the joke of like you didn't have Hitler, you know, whatever joke, whatever you want to call it. I think if you didn't have Hitler is whatever. But then just the way they talk about it, both are implying that they lived through it. Yeah, it's weird wording. It's really weird wording. Um also Overlord's name is Camp. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's because he can't grow a spine. <laughs> Um, that part's great. Overman. <laughs> Overman. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you know, no real negative feelings towards this book. I just don't think it's good. Yeah, I'm not going to remember it, which is kind yeah. of a shame. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. It's like, you know, I see Young Justice comics out there. I have X-Men Evolution on my shelf. I haven't read it yet, though. I wonder, what's the best version of this? Like, a tie-in maybe not necessarily to a show, but like continuing a continuity from something else. 
I'm trying to think of like all the times DC is because they definitely do it quite a bit. Well, they have such a rich, like uh, animated library. To pull yeah, because they they've done it with uh this and the comic, and they also had the Fatal Five movie. Yeah, um, they did. That was a continuation of it. They um will bring back the anim- Batman the animated Batman the animated series and have a like continuation of that in some form. Had yeah, that with the Batman and Harley Quinn movie. They recently had both continuations of the 70s Superman movies and the Burton Batman movies. Oh, in comic comics, form, yeah. yeah. And the Adam West, they had the 69 series, too. Yeah, that's that might be the best version of it. That's a, I never read that. I, I didn't read all of them, but from what I did read, those were And fun. those movies were good, too. Yes, oh, the, especially the Two-Face one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, those might be the best ones. That's, yeah. Okay, but that's also me... Me being a fan of Adam West Batman. Yeah, I mean that's anyone being a fan of Adam West Batman, which and but that's that's is capturing the spirit of those. Yeah. I think the best in in terms of like, yeah, we can't have these octogenarians in the in the suits anymore, but we can get them to do their voice roles and do basically exactly what was in the show. Yeah, we have more freedom in an animated budget. I'll be curious. I'm trying to think of Marvel examples. I know they had X Men ninety two, I th- or. 99 that, that hasn't happened yet no no they That's had ha- during uh battle world i want to say the secret wars 2015 one of the big events that had, was battle world yeah yeah they had they brought in um i'm forgetting who wrote it but they had they had some people do a like continuation of the 90s and i think it was like leaning really into the age of apocalypse kind of stuff and, yeah i mean they're bringing that back i think next year is when it's supposed to finally premiere yeah um Mar- Marvel's interesting because just because of how they splintered their rights and stuff where it's like they can't do that a lot of the time. Have any of the animated Spider-Man movies gotten continuations? Like I'm sure there's like animated Spider-Man movies? Or not Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man shows. No, because like the rights are just so like everywhere. everywhere. I wonder how Fox they- Fox owned the 90s show. Uh Sony owned the spectacular disney owned ultimate but i i yeah it they 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 just keep reintroducing that i wonder how they got away with the x-men evolution book then maybe i will maybe i will look into that before i read it a little history yeah going on there well outside of this what have you been reading yeah this is our new segment yeah a little little check-in with outside the outside the pod the comic of the pod because you, you know, there's a lot of stuff. We 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 read different stuff from this pod. This definitely takes up a majority of our reading time. Yeah, but um, there's plenty of stuff we read that isn't necessarily suited for the format of the podcast. Yeah, and this is gonna turn into the Caleb talks about X Men portion of the show many yeah. weeks, I assume. Um, yeah, no, uh, I've been going through since I got Marvel Unlimited. Been going through the X Men uh, Infinity, continuing on the X- the Infinity train. <laughs> Not the one you wish. No, not the one I wish. Man, that should get a comic. Um, would that mess with H- with uh, Warner Brothers tax write off if they made Infinity Train comics? Probably not, because they own the IP. Okay, let's let's make it happen, folks. Anyway, um, yeah, the X Men Infinity stuff, and there are a bunch of different. You know, like a writer will hop on for a couple, uh, for a couple issues to tell a story. Um, but the one I, the one that I think is the best and I was like genuinely really invested in was Fabian Nassaza wrote one that was Juggernaut and Deadpool 
Hmm. Um, I'm not a big. That's dead- an interesting uh, pairing. It makes sense because they're both X Men villains who have basically become like ancillary X Men. Yeah. Um, and I really and they lean into that. This is before Juggernaut came onto Krakoa, came to live there full time. So there's you get he's working with Professor X, but through some like backdoor means. And so I I just really like the character of Juggernaut. I can take or leave Deadpool, but I feel like Fabian Nasesa is able to write him without becoming too annoying. So um, I just like how it pairs off, and just the archetype of like Juggernaut's this guy who like. Charles doesn't like him. Most of most mutants probably still think he's a bad guy and he's not a mutant, but he's going to like go hard. I forgot to, that he's not a mutant. Yeah, anybody. that's the weird thing. But like he loves mutants and he's going to go hard in protecting them and stuff. Yeah. So I, I really liked that, uh, that series. So how did, how do the infinity scroll issues work? Like you, you know, the paneling paneling is way different when you're not having to like account for a page break or anything. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of them are just kind of like, you get a lot of jokey ones. Yeah. It's like, you just scrolling down, it's like panel after panel. Um, so okay. is it is it pages or is it panels? It's, so it's like one long thing that you just scroll down to till you get to the bottom. Okay. Yeah. And some people like Jerry Duggan's uh, X-Men Green was much more like panel based, probably because they knew they were going to make that into a physical comic eventually. But I'm, I wish I knew the artist on the X-Men Infinity one, but that one very much like finds cool ways of integrating the action into a downward motion okay, instead of like cool. going across. So, Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of it. I, I'm, I'm all for these apps giving you a reason to get it outside of like a long thing. But I think the, the, main thing, the main thing these apps are uh, struggling with is their pricing format. I think yeah. they're way too expensive for what they offer. Yes. Um, and they should at least at least not only be like a month behind, not six or whatever like they are, especially because like Marvel's not making much off back issues as it is. Like you can't you can't order them out of the comic anymore like you used to be able to. Um so yeah, I'm very down for a selling point. Yeah. And it's I, I like yeah, it's one of those things where the stories aren't quite as with the exception of that the juggernaut one which i do think the story was really good the stories aren't like as in-depth as the other books but it's more fun to read those than it is to read like an x like just a normal x-men issue mm-hmm. on there because like the smart paneling is okay but i'm still reading on my phone i'm still having yeah, to like zoom in yeah oh, it's so bad when it gets to like a two-page spread those are the absolute worst moments and you can't read it on your laptop i it's one of those things where suited for an ipad yeah, but I, like I can't justify yeah. buying like a Kindle or yeah. an iPad just for this. I know. It's one of those things where it's like you already got to have the auxiliary device. And then I can't read at my desk at work. I got two that I can touch briefly on. Uh, I've been, I'm almost done reading the, um, is it Unbelievable or Undefeatable? I think it's Unbelievable Gwimple um, by Christopher Hastings. Really pleasantly surprised by that series because it, ah, it's, in, in the name of two things that I'm not a fan of, uh, but they do, they do a good job of just like, it is these two things, but it's not, it's, yeah. it, this is all, a uh, Hastings just turned, uh, a marketable variant into its own thing by being like, yeah, your, your precognitions about this. It's a mistake. That is not what this book is. 
and I've rather enjoyed just the stories they're able to tell. The um, I don't usually like meta humor, but they're doing it in a way that isn't just winking at everything. Like it's plot relevant and just how she's able to interact with the world, which I yeah. think is interesting. Um, currently she's realizing that if she doesn't succumb to being a villain as uh i don't know as like is her destiny or whatever i don't know like her destiny or whatever uh she she's not she's not unique enough to be her to have her own ongoing so mm, she's she so was... she's she's facing cancellation and she's like having to just like deal with that it almost feels like it's kind of more instead of like a opportunity for jokes like with deadpool it feels almost much more like a superpower yes it, it is exactly that that's cool um, I like it. And the art is glorious. It's, uh, it's dumb. I forget the studio that it's, they're the ones who, um, do the art for all the avatar, uh, books. Mm, um, yeah. So it very much looks like the, uh, last airbender art style, which I love that art style. Yeah. And it very clean, iconic, not over-designed and it lends itself to just very fun design. And the second I finished uh, the Superior Spider-Man omnibus in like two weeks. How was, well, if you finished it that fast. <laughs> it was it's... pretty good. Um, that, I, I got problems with it for sure. Uh, like, the story starts out pretty good and it shows a really redeemable, like, Doc Ock where like, you know, you think he is going to learn some stuff. Then it kind of just like, bends its wheels for a little bit where you have the reveal of like, oh, here's something happening. How's Otto going to deal with it? Oh, He's dealing with an OIP or never would, and he's a bad guy. And it's just, he very quickly transitions from uh, redeeming a villain to, no, he's just a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he getting away with this stuff? And then it just kind of like spins out and ends. <laughs> it ends at the perfect point, though, where yeah. like, you are getting bored of this book at this point, and then it finally transitions back to Peter. Okay. Um, that's, that's a comic I've always been interested in, just because it's definitely worth the read. Yeah. Um, but it's not something you can exactly like just read a couple of you have to commit got, to the whole gotta, thing you kind of got to commit to the whole thing for it to read its best well when i break my leg and i can't get up and do anything that's who has to borrow the man yeah you know it really did suck when covid happened lots of things sucked it sucked that i didn't have one of those jobs where i could just sit at home for months at a time and still get paid yeah like I had to go into work, and so I didn't get to binge like all the series or learn a new hobby or anything like that. Learn a new language. We did start. I did start several podcasts. So that's your win, I guess. Also, was able to still pay rent, so that's a win. Yeah, yeah. So, Caleb, what do we have for our next episode? Yeah, let me. I didn't bring it with me because I didn't know we were recording today. Yeah, this was kind of last minute. Um. And so my pick was kind of last minute where I'm like, oh, crap. What do I, have I need a pick. <laughs> what do I have on my shelf that we haven't read? So, uh, Luthor, the unauthorized autobiography. Yeah, this is a. That looks like Kingpin. <laughs> or Brian Michael Bendis, depending on. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a short graphic novel about our boy Lex Luthor. And like I said, I remembered this was on my shelf, which is why we're reading it. But <laughs> have you read this before? No, I picked it up with the with the intention of 
bring it on the podcast mm-hmm. at some point. So it's like it was always destined to come at some point. Yeah. So matter when. Yeah. But I like Lex Luthor. He's cool. Yeah. Uh definitely a character that's been through a lot of iterations and who I feel like you don't really get the base form of much anymore. No, it well it's it's like Superman if they're gonna try to subvert it because that's what we're doing now. Can't just have a paragon. We gotta subvert it. Yeah. I guess Lex isn't a paragon of anything, so can't just have evil businessman. Gotta have either secretly a good guy or there's much more large machinations at play. Or he's Jesse Eisenberg. Or that. That was my girlfriend's first introduction to Lex Luthor. She was so confused when we started watching Young Justice. I mean, to be fair, the movies don't do a great job of giving an accurate representation. When the closest representation is Kevin Spacey in Superman Returns of all yeah. movies, like, yeah, I don't know if that's a fault of that movie in particular. I mean, it's definitely a bad decision. But. Yeah, no, uh, she was like, she was so confused. She's like, who's that? I'm like, Lex Luthor. She goes, no, it isn't. Lex Luthor. And she starts listing off all the traits of Jesse Has Eisenberg. curly red hair. Yeah, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> anyway. Oh, we'll be back uh, with that next episode. In the meantime, you can give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice or not, but if you're not going to do five stars, please don't do it because five stars is what gets us up in the comic book chart or the podcasting charts gets more people joined in on the comic book fun. You can email us at allnew52podcast at gmail.com with reviews and recommendations or just, hey, I like this show or something. And we'll be back next episode with Lex Luthor. See you then.